if ever I wanted a job where every day would be a new thing, uh, absolutely, I, I, ha I have landed there. I mean, um, the flip side of that, of course, and, and it's inseparable from it, is if you have a lot to learn, that means there's a lot you don't know. Welcome to The Defense Never Rests with Morgan and Akins, your monthly dose of uncommon sense about all things legal and some that are not. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Defense of Rest. I'm your host, Megan, and I'm joined by Melissa. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. Uh, just coming off of a crazy weekend here. My kids had this like big swim championship thing. So we spent the entire weekend outdoors watching um, 18, and, 18 and under old kids race and get disqualified. <laughs> so, so the girls didn't win. And they had this, they had their own personal victories. We'll say that. Hey, that's all that matters. <laughs> and in fact, I think they didn't make it to the second day of this competition. So we actually yesterday watched the whole freaking thing on TV all day, like streamed it on YouTube, which is, wow. I, I texted my friend. I'm like, is this like watching golf? Like, what? <laughs> I right. can't believe I'm watching right. like 10 year old girls swim. <laughs> it does feel strange. Hey, you never know. Yes, but so the swim season is in a close. We have a month off. Now they are they are again at the pool. Because <laughs> oh, what, what are they? What are they? What do they start after this? Though, or do they? More, they doing more swim and more field more hockey. But so yes, we and you and I just had a case of the giggles. How we always just seem to talk about the weather in our our intros. Um, we said no more weather. <laughs> we can't do this so, to our listeners. It's like it's like bad elevator talk or something. You know, and you're like, oh, it's hot out there. It awesome. is. Bad, awesome, like, elevator music playing. In the yeah, that would be awesome. So back to today. So today we have on Zach Henderson. Um, and I, I say this all the time. I feel like this is a little different from our last podcast. But first of all, Zach has an amazing story. I mean, he, like, is just incredibly smart, like, like blow, blow me away. Smart. Um, had like a crazy fun, interesting path through college to law school. And now, um, is at this company called levels, which is a tech based company that like monitors what you eat and how the glucose levels impact, you know, you, um, and it's a startup. So he's here to talk about like what it's like to be the one attorney at a startup, the challenges of like limited funding at a startup and just the learning curve that he's had from being going from working private practice and litigation to basically like a 180 to having to learn about funding and startups, startups and regulations and all, you know, all sorts of things that are kind of outside of our, our litigation funnel, I would say. He's a real Zach of all trades, if you will. <laughs> we're gonna bring him in on that note <laughs> good afternoon zach welcome to defense of arrest how are you today hey there megan i'm doing really well thanks for asking uh, excited to be here and to get a chance to chat yeah i'm so happy to have you on you and i talked i think it was like months and months ago on the phone um and we had to work a little bit to get this scheduled so i'm glad we were able to squeeze it in because i know how how busy you are at levels and things are just really like ramping up over there. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with Melissa and I. Yeah, definitely my pleasure. Uh, it was it was fun connecting in the first place. And when you mentioned the podcast, it just sounded like uh, a great and fun thing to do. So again, just glad to be here. Well, awesome. So, you know, I, I if for everyone who's li listens to this podcast and if you've listened to the podcast, you know, in the beginning, I like to try to dig into, get to know my guests. And so our listeners can get to know who we're talking to and why. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and you are an attorney by trade. You went, you went to law school, you practiced for a while. Um, and now, now you've moved in-house, but how did you come to the point of deciding, you know, law school was, an, was the choice you wanted to make? Cause all of us have different, paths of how we got to where we are and everyone's is very different. So I'm really curious to hear what yours is. Yeah, sure. Um, my path was uh, circuitous to say the least. So um, when I was 14 or 15 or so, for some family reasons, I needed to uh, kind of 
get started working full time. So I actually um, I have the distinction of being a, a high school dropout. Uh, I started working in restaurants and such full time and found a correspondence program where I could do like my high school basically remote in my evenings when I wasn't working. So I did that and then went to a junior college uh, sort of concurrently. And for several years, I was a music major. I thought that was going to be uh, it for me. Uh, I was interested in composition and uh, French horn performance in a symphony. Uh, it turns out that doesn't pay uh, super well. So I had a handful <laughs> of other uh, odd things along the way. I, I was a licensed massage therapist for a while. I did restaurants and restaurant management and bartending and uh, service and, and all of that kind of stuff for years. Um, and basically did that all through undergrad. And um, I actually changed my major a total of, I think, seven different times and, and this no way uh, i don't just in the little i know about you i don't believe that <laughs> hard to imagine right yeah you know so so the, the through line for me is um i would say around major uh five or so i was pretty convinced that i was i was just a flake uh but i wasn't changing majors because i was getting bored of things it really is just that there's a from my point of view there's a lot that's very interesting out there um that ultimately explains why i uh said enough of this i need to graduate english is the way to go i i, I got an, an english major with a gender studies minor um english almost entirely because i decided well i need something that empowers future learning something that lets me communicate well something that will make um future learnings easier because that's really what i want to find a way to turn into a job is learning full-time and in a pretty big way that really explains law school and my interest in it uh, as well you know I, I had some social causes that i was um, passionate about at the time but overarchingly i knew that if i didn't study something that required me to go through the process of being a beginner and working up to expert and then starting that process over and over and over again. I would end up getting too bored and changing things up again. Um, so my bet was that law school and being a lawyer would mean constant learning and it would mean that I would always have um, something new to uh, sort of get involved in. And there was an unlikelihood of me sort of becoming bored and deciding enough of yeah. this, let's go do software engineering or something like that. Yeah. And so far, I would say that that bet has paid off. So that's really what led me to law school. Uh, what can I do that my full time job will be uh, learning and going from beginner to expert over and over again? And so specifically, that brought me to uh, litigation. So before we move on, I, I am curious, what were these other majors that you had? <laughs> Gosh, um, uh, so, uh, uh, so some of them are, are a little combined, uh, but I started with, so, so, so music was first, mm -hmm. um, mechanical engineering was second. Uh, after mechanical engineering, I uh, decided I loved the physics behind it and not okay. so much the, 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 the other stuff. So I, I transferred to, uh, from a branch campus of the University of Texas in Tyler, Texas. I transferred to the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. Uh, I was a physics major there. And then I had um, a wonderful professor who uh, was sort of a genius. And one of those who, if she liked you, she just assumed you were as smart as her, even if it was very much untrue. <laughs> so she convinced me the real way to go was to be a triple major in physics, math, and computer science. Um, I tried that for a few years. <laughs> I was working uh, full-time throughout that and I, I did not succeed. Uh, I, uh, I to, to, to put it bluntly, I, I got overwhelmed. I couldn't quit working for financial reasons. So that was a catastrophe. I took a semester off. And then um, at various points, I changed from political science to um, I think philosophy is in there and ultimately um, English. I think I captured them all. I might have I might have <laughs> missed one. But that's, I mean, I, that's amazing. I, I will say I did bounce around majors a little bit. I think I started as a chemistry major and then I went to biochemistry and then I realized biochemistry was way too hard so hard <laughs> so then I was like I like psychology let me do that and then I also had math the whole time so I was yeah. math, like and I, I didn't decide to major in math until I realized I had enough math courses that I was like well I don't have to do that much more to finish this exactly. one out um and it seemed to balance out the psychology a little bit. So I kind of feel you a little bit because I had that science stuff too. And then I ended up in like a less lesser sciencey thing with the with the math on the side too. But uh, biochem was like 
the, well, that was like the death of me. I was like, I am never going to make it. <laughs> it really, it, it, that really is the sort of thing where you, not only do you have to love it, but you have to be willing to just swim in those waters sort of all day, the whole time that you're in school, because you can't really, you can't excel at it unless you're kind of becoming an expert just while in school. It's really intense stuff. Yeah. You had to drop out of high school. So did you eventually just get your GED and then or did you finish high school out at a different time? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah, to clarify that. Um, so the core, so I this correspondence program that I did, they would basically okay. mail me high school materials. I would oh, do wow. them on my own time and then mail them back. And that resulted in an actual high school diploma. So I I I awesome. I, I ultimately got a diploma. I would say uh I took my time with it because I was able to. So I think I actually had. I think as a technical matter, I had an associate's degree before I had a high school diploma. Wow. I think um, oh. just because of the way things worked out. Yeah, that's that's incredible. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was it was um it was very uh, useful for for me at the time. I, I would say I'm very grateful that I had that option uh, because uh, it 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 kind of allowed me to still be a student um, at a time when being a student was just really difficult for me. Yeah. And so, but, and then you end up at University of Chicago Law School, one of the best law schools in the United States. <laughs> so, you know, you made it all come together. <laughs> it, 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 it did work out. I mean, I did have a funny experience of, um, you know, I, I've had a few folks in my family go to go to college, but um, not in any school that anyone would, would, you know, outside of like the given state would recognize. And I certainly went into law school with a lot of imposter syndrome, very much convinced that all of my colleagues would just be infinitely um, smarter and better educated than me. Um, and I, what I ended up receiving a lot and actually helped me with my, not only with my imposter syndrome, but with my suspicion even still that I might be a little bit flaky by virtue of changing things up so often. Um, uh, people ended up finding this path that I took um, pretty interesting and more than a few people um, said they wished they'd done something like that to me that blew my mind because when you're when you're living in the in the world of i'm working full-time and going to college and not sure what i want to do with my life it doesn't feel very uh exciting or happy it feels plotting and difficult yeah. but i wouldn't trade it for for anything looking back i mean i've i've, I've just i've done so many things um that sometimes i really do feel like i've lived kind of three or four different lives and that's yeah. that's really neat to kind of have in my head no, was your college experience since you were working so much and had a, a, so many majors? Did you did you miss out on a lot of the social aspect, or were you not just not interested in that? I would say a little of both. Um, you know, because of the path that I took, I I probably didn't relate as well to many of yeah. my undergraduate colleagues as I otherwise would have. You know, the yeah. things that I um, I sort of needed to care about were were different. I I've been surrounded by. Um, much older people for, for a while because I've been working from a fairly young age. So I, I don't think I craved a lot of the more typical undergrad things as much. I did miss it. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, there there were certainly aspects of my undergrad that I, I wish I could have been more involved in. I wish I could have done more um, clubs and built more friendships that weren't kind of work friendships because a lot of a lot of my college experience was um, Find you know, trying to figure out how to arrange my work schedule so that I could run to school, take my classes, and kind of get back to work or something like that. So I did miss out on a lot of that. The flip side, though, was I think because I went to a school where uh, a lot of the undergrads were kind of more interested in that and maybe less interested in kind of getting everything out of the educational experience, um, I do feel like I built great relationships with my professors. And, and I, I think... I think what did happen is many of my professors ultimately learned that I was kind of working full time mm -hmm. and I was also a very engaged student. Uh, and that combination meant that teachers were very willing to um, sort of give me their time. Um, so I so sort of a trade off. I, 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 I probably wouldn't trade my undergrad experience either, though, because I left with wonderful professor relationships. Yeah, that's awesome, because I do feel like that. I had some really good professor relationships. Like I say, uh -huh. like one of my math professors, I more say I like majored in Dr. Chang, but, uh -huh. <laughs> but I, I definitely think I, like you seem like you had a much more engaging experience and also have those relationships. That's like, those are networking relationships that they I are. wish I saw the value to more when I was going through that whole process 
then like I see it now, but at the time yeah. I was like, I didn't see the value in that. And you really got to take advantage of that. So that's awesome. I, I did, uh, and and I'm 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 really grateful for it. And had you know, as a result, had some professors go out of their way to you know help me out even through some financially difficult times in ways that were very unexpected and that kind of I'll I'll never I'll never forget. Um, there was um, it's just it because it's a because it's a lovely story. Um, uh, I had miscalculated my student loans at one point it was my very it was right before my last semester started and and despite work i didn't have quite enough to kind of get me over the line and it was looking like i was going to have to drop a class mm. to, to afford it which would have meant um one more semester and so lots of plans that were in place would have disappeared and uh i had a professor who actually had retired at that point from teaching and was then in admissions um her name uh she's passed away, but her name is Dr. Montgomery. She was she was probably in her early 90s then. And she just had, I, I just learned that I was gonna have to drop this class and she chatted me up in the elevator and um, it, it came out that I was dealing with this and I was, I was pretty bummed. Uh, and two days later, I got, I found a little envelope in my, 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 my student box and Dr. Montgomery had written me a $2,500 check and said, oh this is God. an investment. Um, I expect oh. you to write. Um, I mean, I choke up even thinking about it now. Yeah. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that um, even when things aren't uh, maybe working out, there is something to be said for just kind of giving it your best because people do notice that. And I think especially um, people who are our mentors or potentially our mentors, I think we forget how much people are looking for um, mentorship opportunities. And, and so I, I've, I will probably remember that forever. And that's really informed kind of the way that I, I guess, mentor yeah. other younger people too. It was such a meaningful experience, not for the money, just for the sentiment of here's this adult who cares this much. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And then it's just like, you don't even know how to thank her, you know, like, it's like, they're, they're, what, what is the appropriate thank you for that? I don't know if there is one, you know, paying it forward. I think you're completely right. I mean, I, I can't think about that without feeling like a, like a real sense of duty for mentorship in the future. However, that manifests itself. Like, uh, I have an obligation. I mean, she, she asked me to, to pay it forward. As you say, she said, this is an investment. Yeah. I kind of, um, I have to honor that somehow. And so, uh, I mean, even even telling that story is is a small part of, yeah. you know, honoring how incredible that that was. Maybe, maybe it was a small thing for her, right? Maybe maybe she was totally fine, and for her it was nothing. But it's it's the world to yeah. to the person on the other end. Oh yeah, and it's just like it kind of just kept. Otherwise, your whole everything would have changed course, you know. Yeah. And who knows where you would have been now? And you know, that's amazing. I, I'm so true. glad you shared that. <laughs> um, so. So then you're you're in law school and then while while you're there you did you know that litigation was where, like the path you wanted to take or did you kind of fall like I fell into litigation out of a uh, result of when I graduated law school it was just the economy was kind of how it is now yeah <laughs> that was the only job to to be had um, <laughs> but you kind of you had mentioned that you know you, litigation was something that you felt that was good because it was always something to keep learning about, which I agree. That's a hundred percent what litigation right. is like, but yeah. um curious of your thought process going into it. Yeah. So, so um, notwithstanding the fact that here I am not doing litigation, <laughs> uh, I absolutely went into law school a hundred percent certain that litigation was for me. I mean, I, I had pondered other paths, but at no point did they um, engage me. And it really was, um, you know, it, it was really for me just the big bet of, I'm pretty sure that what litigators have to do is they have to get very good at this whole process and communicating and being methodical thing. I like fine tuning my writing and speaking skills. I'm fine to specialize in that, but I would hate to have to specialize in a particular subject matter um, unless it's something that I just find a true passion for. Um, so I went into it thinking, I think what I want to do is go into a role where maybe for three months at a time, I have to become the lawnmowers expert. And then <laughs> for the next three months, maybe I have to become an expert in, you know, name the other thing. And yeah. and I think that really did, um, that really did prove true in, in, in all respects. I mean, uh, both while I was clerking and uh, while I was in practice, my, my uh, you know, one, one of the things that I did, uh, at Kirkland and Ellis, my, you know, within my first six months of joining, 
uh, Kirkman and Ellis was appointed the federal monitor to Pacific Gas and Electric, the uh, California electric company that was held responsible for some very bad wildfires uh, and such. And a part of my, jo my job as a lawyer quite literally was going out to uh, like Sonoma and random parts of California and with the checklist uh, and a subject matter expert looking at power lines. I mean, I just became a power lines expert for like yep. three months and then went back to doing, you know, commercial litigation and false claims act stuff and all that. So definitely proved true. Litigation was always uh, what I wanted to do. Yeah, and that is, uh, it's just, I chuckled a little when you said becoming the lawnmower expert, because I've, huh. I've had a number of lawnmower mowing cases. <laughs> yes. And it's just, I mean, it's just the nature of what we do. Like when you just have to learn, especially in products cases, you have to learn everything about that product. So you can it, it, down to like the very specifics of the, 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 the gears and everything. So, you know, you, right. you, you become an expert on it and it, it's a, it's really good. Um, you know, like cocktail party knowledge too when it you is. want to impress some people with some <laughs> random shit <laughs> totally true um so you're at you're at kirkland for a few years and but then you pivot out and then i think that's when you le left to come to levels right or did you do something in between no that that was it yeah so my path was uh law school and then clerked for a couple of years and then kirkland for actually right at uh, a year i i i and, and which is funny because i was um you know, Kirkland is a law firm and just big law in general, there's there's a lot out there where the general understanding is uh, a very small number of people actually like it and very few people at a place like Kirkland like it at all. They must be lying. I, I genuinely loved uh, my time there. I loved my work. I, I definitely did not think I would be going anywhere. Um, Levels was um, accidental uh, as much as anything. And uh, speaking of products, it, it really came down to, I fell into some conversations with the CEO and a few others at Levels. And my, my thinking at the time, honestly, was, oh, cool. Um, I like these people. I like this product a lot. I'll just keep talking with them. Maybe I'll meet someone who would be a great fit for their first uh, legal hire. I was really thinking, I'll, I'll be in a nice position to keep talking with these friendly people. Maybe they'll be a client of mine one day. Maybe I'll find them a lawyer. And after talking for six or eight months, I just, I just completely fell in love with kind of uh, not only the people and the culture, uh, but their problems, uh, which is, I think, a fun thing that you get to do as a lawyer. Uh, some problems are actually, you know, very fun to to deal with, uh, and and that was very true of levels. First of all, that's like a great example of again networking and how like, yeah. <laughs> and so far you were you were a master at it, <laughs> like of anyone often, I've spoken often to. Often accidentally, but 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 yes. <laughs> but I think it's the accidental networking that is the most the most fruitful because it's yes. the one that's genuine and not you're not doing it for the for the sole sake of getting something out of it you're yes. doing it just for the because you're enjoying the conversations you're having and developing true relationships and not being like i'm going to talk to this person because i might get a job you're like i'm going to talk to this person because i think they're interesting and maybe i can find them the right person for a job that they might need like it, it's a different way to approach it and i think it the your genuineness shows through more so oh than gosh. if you're going after like the jugular for the one thing that you want. I, I could not, I could not agree more. This, this is something that I look for opportunities uh, to, to talk about. And, you know, it feeds into a lot of characteristics that I, I think the very best lawyers do exhibit. You know, one of those things is um, maybe two of them together, genuineness and kindness. Uh, you know, lawyers don't always have a reputation for either of those things. And, um, the lawyers who are very genuine and who do exhibit a lot of kindness um, and graciousness, um, people remember you if you exhibit those characteristics. People want to sort of get to know you and 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 networking from the position of um, curiosity and, you know, candidly, just from the position of, you know, potentially making friends, uh, you know, really thinking of it less as a networking opportunity and more as, you know, you're an adult, but, and, but the world is now your playground. Um, <laughs> the only way you're going to meet potential friends is by talking to other humans out there. Um, and it just happens that in the process of potentially making good friends or acquaintances, um, you might make an impression on people. And so many good things have happened to me just from, uh, people who I didn't even think about in a professional context um, happening to remember some conversation we had at some point. And, and that snowballs. And you never know uh, when that will happen or 
from whom that will happen. I mean, a huge mistake is, uh, especially for younger folks, networking only with people who they already perceive to have made it. Yep. Uh, Short-sighted, because yes. uh, you really can't predict who will be in a position to um, to present that that life-changing opportunity that might be your dream job or your dream opportunity. It could come from anywhere. So. Yeah, that's very true. So true. And I will, and I'm going to give Melissa a little kudos here because she is one of those people that exudes kindness. Like, like, oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. It's true though. It, like it, she works on a lot of cases with me and she's always very kind to counsel when you're kind, genuinely kind. And like, not that you're never a pushover, but kind, you, you kind of get where you need to be without the animosity. Like what's the I mean, uh, Nobody wants to talk to a jerk, especially a jerk <laughs> lawyer. Like that's the worst, right? Yeah, I we mean, already and I have think, that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone always expects you to be a jerk. So when you're oh. nice, it's like, okay, all right, let's actually, let's, let's be normal people and just work through this issue. You, oh. you remove the, the, the contempt from it right away. I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, candidly, I, I, I tend to find that the lack of kindness is often a crutch for a lack of competence. Um, yeah. If you yeah. are, if you're competent, you can kind of afford to be kind. You don't need to rely upon sort of tactical ways of um, interpersonal communication. I mean, there there are absolutely strategy and tactics, but they can almost always be executed with integrity. And it's and it's um it's just it's just a better way to practice to to have that. Yes, I agree. I was in a deposition a few weeks ago, and I. I this one attorney, he was coming from a different city. And, you know, we, I practice a lot in Philadelphia and I guess maybe Philadelphia attorneys have a reputation for being not the most kind. And prior just, to like just this, like their sports fans, <laughs> yeah, no, offense. no offense, no offense. I, I mean, I go to Philly a lot. I'm putting that out there I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Sorry, but I think he. We prior to this deposition, we had had kind of a contentious relationship, and I didn't understand why. Uh, and then at this deposition, like we had a break, he's like, "Wow, like you're really nice." And I was like, "Well, like, yeah, what'd you expect?" He's like, "I don't know, like I'm a Philadelphia attorney. I just didn't expect you to be nice." I'm like, "We're not all mean." Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some who aren't so nice, but I'm like. It, that's not like, don't let that soil your, your view of everybody. Um, but I was like, thank you. <laughs> and then the whole tenor of our relationship changed too, because then going into that, he expected to have to go in and like ready with the gloves on to battle yeah. and thought I was going to be like a jerk to his client during this deposition. I was like, why would I do that? I'm not going to get information by being mean. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about levels, though, because um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with it. So why don't you give give us like the, you know, the, I guess the the short version of what is levels, you know, and, and so people have an understanding of what we're talking. We keep I keep saying levels. They're probably like, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Um, so levels is we are a, a general wellness focused software company, and in a nutshell, what we do is uh, we create an app where our members are able to import their real-time health data, things like um, continuous glucose monitors create glucose data, so they can import those data, as well as data from Apple Health Kit, so maybe their sleep data, stuff like that. And then we help members see that alongside their food and exercise logs. And what that lets them do is actually see how food and exercise affects their personal internal metrics in real time. Uh, it's, it's, it's really neat because you know there are lots of um, there are lots of ways to manually record whatever bits of data you have out there and and try to synthesize them in some way. But Levels does it with actually real time data, so you you can actually see how that meal that you just ate uh, affects your glucose levels. And you know having stable glucose is is strongly correlated with just just wellness and um, potentially the prevention of of lots of um, conditions and illnesses and such. So uh, it really is a tool that lets people um, see how their choices affect them right then and there. Uh, you know, one, one way that I like to think about it is 
if we're if we have like a some kind of a wellness goal, take for example like a weight loss goal, you're kind of you're kind of locked in for a long um, commitment, right? Um, suppose you have a goal of losing ten pounds. Well, uh, that might be a three month goal. So you have to do the thing, and you have to cross your fingers and hope that after three months, doing the thing got you where you wanted to go. And that's that you know as human beings, that's difficult because we look for patterns. We like feedback, um, and the feedback loop for something like that is really long. You, you're, you're, there's a lot of investment at the front end, but the payoff comes way down the road. By contrast, if you can see how, um, you know, that, that meal that you just had affects your numbers right then and there, um, the feedback loop is very small and that feels a lot more actionable um, and very exciting for us. It's a way of kind of gamifying just being a, a generally healthy person. And it can give us a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, that thing you just did, that was great. Keep that up or vice versa. You thought that wasn't too great. You were right. You probably could have passed on that that extra cheeseburger in my case or or, or what have you. So that's that's what how, we do in a nutshell. How does it know like what's happening in the person's body? Is there like a, like like something internal that is like giving the data to the app? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So that's where um, the uh, devices themselves come in. So our members often will uh, be wearing a continuous glucose monitor. So okay. you've heard of like the fingerprint monitors. This is basically one of those, but um, there's not like a there's not like a, a, a needle that stays in your arm or what have you, but it basically just um, is constantly tracking what your glucose is um, minute by minute. And so our members are able to share that data with the app. And so they can see their food logs alongside the data that that device is producing and kind of line them up. And so that's that's where the data comes from. They, um, basically, whatever health data that members have from devices like that or elsewhere, they're able to um, bring it into the app and see it all in one place. So is so the focus is on the, the glucose levels? With... Yeah, for, okay. for now, um, the main focus is glucose. And the main reason for that is continuous glucose monitors are really one of the um, first and, and right now one of the only um, uh, real-time windows into what's going on in our body. Um, and it happens that glucose uh, is a very important indicator of our general state of health. Um, you know, without getting too technical or 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 anything or stepping outside of my lawyer expertise, um, you know, your, your glucose levels and your insulin and insulin resistance are related, uh, and there are pretty strong correlations uh, between how stable your glucose is and your general state of health. Um, uh, and, and, and just all kinds of, of uh, you know, conditions that you might encounter down the road. So um, even though it's just one data point for sure, uh, it, it, it does connect to a lot of things and uh, it's, it's pretty empowering to even have that to, uh, to focus on, to have one thing that really feels kind of in your control um, and that your food and exercise definitely will have a direct uh, effect on. Well, and it's also interesting, I guess, to be able to see like uh, immediately like, oh, I don't, I like, this is why I don't feel great after I ate this or drank Absolutely. this or indulged in that last night. Like there could be a lot of reasons to like, oh, well, now I'm looking at my levels. My levels are really low or my levels are really elevated or what it, whatever it may be. It kind of gives you immediate answers as to why you're feeling a certain way. Because I know with the some of those other tracking devices, mm -hmm. I there was a time, I think it was like after I had my second kid, I was always like, I was inputting all that stuff. And then the weekend would come and you would have a bad weekend. I'm like, well, I'm not putting that in. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. no way. That's off the record. Yeah, uh -huh. I don't, don't want to see that. Uh -uh. Like, <laughs> I'm not giving that data. <laughs> and then you'd be like, well, why haven't I, why haven't I lost any weight? <laughs> like, <laughs> Megan, this is so real. And this is, this is that tap on the shoulder I talk about, you know, um, you, you, whether you like it or not, it's, it's keeping an eye on things. It, it's, um, it's a, it's a really powerful accountability tool, you know, and, and for some people that's too much and that's totally fair. Um, but for many of us, it's kind of the thing that we kind of wish we we had right we, we really wish we had just a little bit more accountability so that we couldn't just you know not log uh you know the 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 extra serving of ice cream or or whatever yeah. um this really prevents us from ignoring uh sort of the reality of our of our activity and and just sort of knowing that you can't sidestep it uh that alone is usually enough motivation to make a slightly different decision you know so when you when you stepped in were, mm -hmm. Where were they in like their establishing of like funding and, you know, product and everything like was it very were you there in the very infancy or did you get on 
a little bit later. Uh, a little later, although, you know, then and now we're, we're still quite young. So yeah. I joined not long after our series seed. So the first major fundraising round, um, you know, Levels has, has been pretty fortunate to have uh, some some fantastic sort of advisors and investors from the beginning. So it's it's an Andreessen Horowitz funded uh, company, and they've they've really been wonderful partners and stayed with us, uh, you know, throughout. Uh, and so when I joined, I basically joined, and then a month later got our Series A started. And we ultimately um, our, our our Series A was uh, around. $45 million on a $300 million valuation. So it was relatively speaking a quite big uh, yeah. Series A. And so um, right now uh, we're, we're, we're a Series A company. We have, um, you know, uh, we're, we're just we're just kind of kind of growing, wa watching runway. Uh, we've, we've, uh, we're probably about three times as big as we were since when I joined. I joined when we were 17 or 18 people. We're just now um, over 50. So headcount wise, we're still very small, uh, yeah. but we have a, a, a pretty high functioning uh, team. So it's, it's been great. So, and you've really gotten to flex those skills of like always wanting to learn something new because when you came in, what did you know about, you know, startups and funding and series A and all? Like, glucose. Maybe, yeah, and glucose. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Melissa, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, if I am being honest, I probably knew more about glucose than any of those other things. That doesn't uh, surprise that me, point. actually. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, the learning curve, I mean, really, uh, I, I very much enjoy it. Certainly a be careful what you wish for thing. I mean, I knew I always wanted to be a generalist and have lots of learning opportunities. Uh, the curve was and continues to be steep. I mean, always something to learn. Uh, and you know, we're a small company, so uh, I'm the only in-house attorney today. And that means, you know, my job is equal parts, uh, lots of learning and triaging my own time to make sure that I'm really focusing on the right things at the right time and at the right stage of, of this company. Uh, you know, my, my, my list of things that I need to become expert on or work on, you know, at a startup, it's, it's a nearly endless uh, list. And so much of the work is just prioritization. So yeah, uh, I didn't know anything about those things though. Uh, very fortunate to have great outside counsel and lots of great sort of resources through uh, having a wonderful network of, of other attorneys, both in-house and, and yeah. uh, at law firms. Would you say that's been one of the biggest challenges com coming in or you know, have you experienced some other things that have been like, not roadblocks, but you know, definite like, oh crap, I gotta climb up this mountain. Before I before I make any headway, yeah, uh, the the learning curve more than anything, um, certainly the the biggest challenge. Um, you know, I think just starting out, uh, you know, we talked a fair bit about network uh, early on. That too uh, mm -hmm. dovetailed as as sort of the biggest struggle because I I knew that just as a practical matter, so many of the things that I was facing, there were any number of people who, who absolutely knew the answers to 90% of these questions. Uh, very competent uh, in-house in folks uh, and outside counsel who had done this a uh, hundred times, a thousand times, and could give me an answer. But my network uh, wasn't really tuned to, to in-house uh, work. And so it actually, it took me a little bit of time to uh, to do reach out and join organizations where I, I really could build those relationships so that I am where I am now, which is in a place where if I do have a question, uh, my, my, my go-to is often to just pick up the phone or shoot an email to someone in my network instead of yeah. having to constantly say, oh, is this an outside spend, outside counsel spend uh, level of a question? Is this a Zach spends a few hours on practical law and hopes he finds the answer <laughs> question? Um, you know, my, my starting point is, is now different. And uh, that's by virtue of now having a really effective uh, network. Wear like um, several different types of lawyer hats, so to speak, when you're in-house counsel, uh, because does your client sort of come to you with everything? It seems pretty daunting. <laughs> so yes, the okay. client comes so. to me with everything. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it is, it, it is daunting. Uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with um, an executive team that really, you know, first really understands the concept of the tone at the top and really exhibits, uh, you know, integrity uh, and doing things right as best they can. And, you know, related to that, um, really appreciates the importance of, uh, of having legal be at the beginning 
of ideas and yeah. decision making instead of kind of coming in at the end to sign off on things. And, you know, I, I guess I would say, you know, maybe jumping ahead or what have you, but for anyone um, looking to make the transition in-house, I, I would say that a real appreciation for the importance of early legal input and a good faith actor mentality, those would be the things above almost anything else that I would be looking for um, if I were to be making the the, the initial leap from uh, law firm to to in-house. Uh, you know, I have I have seen people have very different experiences moving in-house and so much of it comes down to how does the company and its executive leadership view legal as a business partner who is there to um you know find the the right risk tuning of something or are you the blocker that they kind of need to have because someone on their board said it's time to hire a general counsel those are two very different companies and, and you should always want to be in the first one not the second one. yeah are, are, have you been involved um sort of at the, at the at the top in terms of developing a lot of the company's policies or sort of um, guidebooks, things like that? Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm, again, fortunate that even when I joined the company, we are, uh, uh, we're very heavy on uh, documentation and writing. Uh, we, we memorialize everything. We're, we're a very transparent company. So even when I joined, there was a lot of legwork already done. And I, 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 that's a testament to, you know, our head of operations and just a really competent leadership team. Um, but after joining, yes, I mean, I, uh, a lot of my work is, you know, what, what we kind of call deep work, which is me, um, carving out big chunks of time to, write out uh, the policy documents that we need um, to turn it into something that doesn't just sort of sit on the server for no one to ever find, but, you know, to, to turn that into something usable. You know, you said guidelines. Uh, I think about, I think about everything that I write that is um, client facing as something like a guideline or a guardrail, something that is really designed to be read. And because it's designed to be read and used, I want it to be you know, uh, accessible to non-lawyers. It's not going to be okay. legalese. And and so a lot of my time I spend thinking about, you know, all of these questions that I'm getting, how do I synthesize that into a package that I can hand to the team and that can be their new first stop for questions like that. Right, right. Yep. So one thing that just came to mind though, so you, you, your users use like the glucose monitor. Are you, uh, is Levels providing the glucose monitor? Or is that something your your users purchase on their own and it connects to your tech and then you get the, the data from your tech? Like I, I'm thinking too from like a claims perspective, like yeah. if you're providing the product and it's a, like that could be a, an open, um, a, a very large avenue of potential liabilities. Yeah. 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 Megan, it's, it's a great question. So we do not. Uh, hold the devices or own the devices um, ourselves. So we, uh, if, if someone comes to Levels and expresses an interest in being a Levels member, uh, we will direct them to an independent, and, and I truly mean independent, uh, sort of third-party physician. They will work with that physician. And if that physician determines that um, a, a, what's called a CGM or continuous glucose monitor is right for them, then they may obtain a, a prescription. And only once they have that and sort of device in hand, do they come back to levels? And then we can say, all right, great. Um, you have this thing. Uh, and then we go through the consenting process of them sharing their data with us. And I would note too, that uh, we don't actually take the data from the device itself. The data goes to a um, database uh, and then the database gives data to us. So there's even that extra layer of protection yeah. where it's not even like the app is programmed to pull from the device. Um, when we receive the data at that point, it's really just a, a, a number um, in, yeah. in a sequence of numbers that we just display. So, so really, functionally, uh, the Levels General Wellness app is functioning just as a display for their glucose yeah. data that they've shared with us. And that does insulate you from some risk when, when you have those, especially when you add the physician layer to it. And yes. it's not just anyone, like it's not like a watch that, you know, anyone could purchase, like it, right. especially because it's a little more invasive in a way as to, you know, like I just think about HIPAA, like personal sure. data, like it's a little more invasive than, you know, just monitoring your heart rate, you know? <laughs> so, <True. laughs> so that extra layer, I think it just adds, it insulates some liability for that potential liability that you would have. I, I, I think that's right. And, and we've been, we've been quite conscious, uh, you know, uh, 
we've been quite conscious not only of you know the liability side of things but also you know you, you mentioned hipaa and just how we handle data and just making sure that as a company not only are we you know baseline complying with data privacy rules and regs but are really um acting as data stewards for our members uh you know i think the thing that i find myself saying most often internally is just the reminder that we are you know most companies are but levels in particular we are we are a data company we we are really stewards of um even though people have have quite openly shared it with us we have every obligation to make sure that those data are very much yeah. protected and always used uh in the right way we take a lot of pride in that we we, we don't we don't sell data or or anything like that um and uh I guess probably spend a lot more time than other companies on things like our privacy policy and living yeah. up to it. But uh, yeah, great points and super important to us. Yeah, I, I should introduce you to the, well, so who do we, we had on so relatively recently about talking about cybersecurity. Yes, <laughs> connect you guys. yes exactly. <laughs> Might be a good person if you haven't talked to someone yeah. yet. Speaking of networking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I will say on, on that point, you know, speaking of, um, speaking of new things to learn, uh, it has become, you know, I did not spend uh, any time in privacy and security prior to joining levels. And it's something that I have really, I have loved um, progressing from, you know, beginner to journey, journeyman to, to near expert on. It's, it's, it, it has become a real passion um, in part because I think, uh, I think levels, it's not, it's thankfully it's not unique now, but, but there aren't a great many companies that, um, prioritize it as much as we do outside of just really needing to check the regulatory uh, boxes. Yeah. But, you know, just from a, you know, taking my lawyer hat off and putting my just citizen hat on, it's something that I care about uh, a whole, whole lot. And it, it matters to me that my executive team cares about it a lot too. Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like from talking to you so far that you've probably found like the perfect job because you start, I mean, you, you were, you started this off saying you, you went in, you wanted to go into litigation because you always wanted to learn and have something to learn. And now you're not in litigation, but my, like, I don't think there's probably a day that you don't have to learn something new and become an expert on it. It seems like that's like the course of your <laughs> every day now. You got what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. I mean, if, if ever I wanted a job where every day would be a new thing, uh, absolutely. I, I have, I have landed there. I mean, um, it, it's, it's, it's not without it's, it's very real challenges. I mean, the flip side of that, of course, and, and it's inseparable from it is if you have a lot to learn, that means there's a lot you don't know. And yeah. being a solo attorney at uh, a fast-moving uh, startup that deals, for example, with with members' health data, there's there's a there's a real obligation to yeah. to get smart on topics very very quickly. Uh, and uh, you know, as any lawyer has experienced, if you if you really care about the work you do, there's there's a level of existential dread that comes with the the, the potential of making making a mistake. And and I think that's that is the real challenge for me personally of working um, in a space that enables me to learn so much. Uh, it's not just that I uh, am allowed to learn so much, it's that I have to learn so much. Yeah. And, and, uh, and there's not really any room for me to say, ah, I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to spend the extra time learning that thing today. Yeah, I, and I'm sure I don't know is not an appropriate answer. Like, unlike during depositions when you say, I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer as long as a truthful one. I don't think you can get away with saying, I don't know. <laughs> You might be like, I'll look into that and get back to you. <laughs> I, th I think that's right. And, and to be fair, you know, I, I well, and I will say, uh, I, you know, I, I've built up enough trust that I can I can pretty confidently say I don't know. But it is always followed up with with what you what you just mentioned. Uh, it is I don't know. And I will soon know. I will I will do the research <laughs> myself. I will make some calls. I will reach out to outside counsel, uh, what have you. Uh, it there, There's a lot of just triaging. Again, is this the kind of thing that I need to get smart on personally, or is it something that I should hand off? And, um, it, you know, it's funny, uh, on, on this point about learning, uh, maybe the one sad thing that I've encountered is, uh, even though I like to learn a lot about many different things, um, I do like to deep dive. And litigation yeah. lets you deep dive. For sure. Oh, yeah. um, In-house, though, it's sort of this funny place where if um, if you encounter a topic that really needs you to do 10 or 15 or more hours on, 
there's a good chance that that's the kind of thing you should hand off to outside counsel or somebody okay. else. And so that's that's the that's the uh, the downside a little bit is. I, I'm allowed to be a generalist. I'm allowed to know a little bit about a lot. That's an expectation. But I really do have to be careful not to get excited and mm -hmm. go down the rabbit hole too far because that's not always a good use of my time. Right. No, and you've very limited time to do yeah. many things. You're probably pulled right. in many directions on each individual day. Like, do you ever, like, are you are you able to separate your work life from your home life? Like, are you ever able to like, like at some point be like, okay, I'm, I'm closing it up today and I'm, I need to step away. Or is it that constant that you, it's really hard to pry yourself away? At, at this stage, I, I think a little bit of, a little bit of um, double-edged sword. In general, the answer is yes, I can. And that's by virtue of having a, a really good team, a lot of organization, um, sort of great assistance so that um, I can usually unplug and feel confident that if something is a genuine emergency, somebody will send me a text, but I will never get a text unless it's an emergency. In, a, yeah. in, a, yeah, in other right. words, um, the communication channels are very clear and uh, uh, non-emergencies go in these buckets, emergencies go to my phone. And so if I do step away, I can be confident that if my phone doesn't buzz, I'm okay. So that, that's a huge benefit. Yeah. Um, I think another thing is, you know, because of our size and, you know, we just don't have a super big bank, bank account and we're really careful about data, we're not really yet um, a target for a lot of the typical trolls that you will see appear um, as companies grow and their bank accounts and exposure becomes a lot, a lot larger. Um, so a lot of the fire drill like stuff that companies encounter, um, that's our future, but we're, we're not quite there yet on the, the, the sort of standard company scale. The flip side, though, is I'm the only lawyer. Uh, yeah. So if I do step away, then that means, you know, figuring out a way to balance my workload between um, handing things off to non-legal folks where I can and, you know, bringing in outside counsel for, you know, to kind of keep an eye on things for a week or two. And that's an expensive um, yeah. bit of time off. So I have to be conscious of that. So yeah, it's a trade -off. I mean, that that's a, something that I think is lost in a lot of people. Like you might say, oh, we raised X amount in funding and it sounds like a multi-millions of dollars. And that sounds like a lot, but yeah. it is still pretty lean when, you know, you're running a company and you have to develop product and like, there's all these costs associated with like, a, I, I think people that is lost on, on people that the, that is the money does not, it's not endless flow. I think that's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're in the startups space, it's, it's sort of, um, it's often taken for granted that there's a fairly large period of time between when a company sort of comes into existence and when they are genuinely profitable. But as it turns out, like um, the concept of a runway, which is how much cash you have in the bank until you will run out, that's really the thing that's on startups' minds all the time. Uh, uh, and so things like legal spend for a company that is still sort of proving themselves, finding what's called product market fit, uh, that's a very different um, that's a different world for a company to live in as compared to a company that, you know, is profitable, uh, you know, is paying dividends, that, that, that kind yeah. of thing. Those are just very different worlds. Yeah. I, I, and I, even you saying the word runway in, in the sense that you're running out of money, that gives me heart palpitations right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even work for you. <laughs> right. Well, and, 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 and uh, that that you um that you react that way i will say i have learned from an inside council perspective to be very grateful that that's your reaction because <laughs> a major challenge from especially from a smaller startups perspective is finding really competent outside counsel that 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 does appreciate that uh you know billing is something that uh associates and partners do as a matter of course and rarely uh does an associate truly agonize over what they build for a thing um and and and, and probably rightly so you know do the work uh bill what it took you um but but on the in-house council side especially of a small company that extra hour matters uh wow. you know and, and and not only i i think where outside council sometimes um don't appreciate the perspective of a small company is it's not just that that hour matters it's that that extra hour though maybe just four hundred dollars or maybe just a thousand dollars um 
might be the difference between we love our outside counsel and gosh, this is so expensive. I think we need to go shopping. Uh, yeah. And 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 it, it really could just be that one extra hour that just feels a little bit off. Um, yeah. And and some outside counsel are, are really wonderful at appreciating that concept of runway and how sort of careful startups have to be. And then and then some tend to treat series a and small companies just a lot like they're they're more enterprise clients and and that often results in a mismatch which is too bad yeah and, and it's it's funny that when you mentioned like associates worrying about like what they're billing and i remember as an when i was a young associate i i didn't worry at all about right. what i was billing i only worried about if i was billing enough but yeah. I, I think that was also the place you were supposed to be like don't think Precisely. about how much time you're spending on this just do it right and like exactly. I, my time probably got cut a lot of it on before it went to the client, which is, you know, I, that's the partner's job. Um, exactly. But I didn't want, they didn't want me also to worry about like, oh, I better rush. So I don't, cause I don't know. It wasn't until later in your career when you're a little more established and you know what you're doing that you can be more conscious of your time. But as like a first, second year associate, I don't know, you, you might, you're going to have to run down that rabbit hole. <laughs> sometimes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a lot of times you're looking for that needle. And it's going to take a few hours. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's completely true. And, and being on that end of it, I mean, I, I, I get it and I, I completely respect it. And, and you mentioned the, 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 the ultimate point is it is, you know, it's, it's the partner's job to really interface with, uh, with inside counsel and, and have a clear understanding of, you know, Hey, are we actually able to meet, this client's needs at, at 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 this price point, or do we need to have a discussion, or or what? I mean, that really can be a, a phenomenal relationship, or one that ends surprisingly quickly, and um, it's not often well explained uh, to outside counsel why that relationship is ending. But it often is things like that. Um, that this extra hour was just a little bit too much. No, and do you ever explore doing like fixed fee arrangements with some of your outside counsel to control those costs? Yeah, you know, um, I I have I have looked into it, and there's a good chance that with respect to some matters, I will go that path. I haven't yet. I definitely have colleagues who have done so and have been pretty happy happy with it. Um, it it's it's not something that I have yet um, done. So 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 stay tuned. Maybe maybe in a, uh, maybe a year from now, I will I will have a lot more uh, experience trying it out. Uh, but for now, uh, I, all of all of my outside counsel is is on our own. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, without disclosing any uh, company proprietary secrets, like what's next for, for levels uh, to the extent that you can share? Um, somewhat, somewhat limited, but I, I think really what's, what's on the radar for us, uh, is, you know, taking this idea that metabolic health, uh, really matters and that just keeping an eye on your numbers, keeping an eye on your, your glucose can make a real difference in your general health. Um, you know, growing that idea is the big number one. Um, uh, in terms of how a company like us grows, you no, know, we are in an interesting place because uh, we're we're fairly expensive for a member to be able to get a continuous glucose monitor. They're not cheap, and so we would love for um, the industry to become just more affordable for people. Uh, in terms of sort of our plans, though, it really at this point is just is just grow. We are looking to scale. We've we've really just now, I would say, as of like a month ago, gotten to a point where we are able to to grow uh, and, and scale. So that's really what's next. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, also this idea of product market fit. You know, getting to a place where um, what we are what we are creating and putting into the market really is the version of the thing that people want and need uh, and will use. Uh, you know, we've, we've uh, up until recently, we, we, we grew an incredible wait list of something like 200,000 uh, people. And now that we're live, you know, um, there is no more wait list. Now people are, are, are joining and, and, and we're all in, but this really gives us the opportunity to just tweak product and make sure that we're putting the best version of ourselves yeah. uh, out there. So this next year is, is really just, um, just growth and listening really, really thoughtfully yeah. to our member feedback. Yeah, and and that's such an important thing though too. You can't just grow as you want. You have to grow as your people need. <laughs> Otherwise, you're gonna lose your people. <laughs> that's very. It's, it's it's very true. You you. I mean, you. Uh, at the end of the day, you you have to be creating something that that is that is really affecting in a positive way the 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 people who you intend to to use it. They're yeah. they're the market. Yeah.
For sure. So, you know, looking back on your path and, you know, where you've been and where you are now, is, is there any advice that you would give to your younger self? Oh, to my younger self. Um, your younger self's too busy. Take take a nap. No, no, no. I so much appreciate it because that that honestly is probably the best advice. So I was um I justified my workaholism as being a happy workaholic. And um, what I have since learned and, and working at levels is actually very good about this because I think it's um, in general, a very thoughtful and uh, it, it, the culture here is is a very work healthy culture is that is this that, that Zach, even though you consider yourself a happy workaholic, that's not a good reason to not unplug sometimes. There is enormous uh, personal and emotional, um, importance to stepping away from things. Just because you have an extra three hours in your day doesn't mean you ought to stuff it full of some new thing. Um, you know, one thing that I did for, for years, a few years before law school and even through law school and beyond was I, I also taught the LSAT because I, I really loved it. Um, just super nerd. Um, and yeah, and, and hey, I Martin, talk, I, go back to that. <laughs> like the LSAT. Do you like the logic games? I love it. Where were you? Where were you when I was taking the LSAT? Oh, I, they, were my, they were my favorite part. And I heard they're oh. getting rid of them. And I was like, oh, that was like actually the fun and games part of that whole damn test. Fun yeah. games. Oh, God. I, 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 I have strong feelings. I, I hope I hope the LSAT never goes away. I, I, I love it so much. And, and listen, I, I certainly understand anyone who thinks me crazy or thinks thinks Megan and me crazy. Uh, but I, I, I really I really I loved it. Um, but all that said, um, I, I, I taught my first, I, I taught my all, all, all through law school too. And that would have been the perfect place for me to just say, Zach, like, chill out. Like, just because you can teach the LSAT, you shouldn't enjoy this thing. Enjoy this amazing, beautiful, just educational experience. Um, you don't have to do everything. You can do some things and just breathe a little. Uh, so yeah, that would be my advice. And I, and I think attorneys in general need that advice. Um, yeah. You know, the thing about being good at the law, uh, you know, uh, a, a law school mentor of mine said the reward for the um, the legal pie eating contest is more pie. Yes. Uh, it's it's so true. Um, change your diet up a little bit. Don't eat pie all the time. Step back. That's OK. Yeah. Yeah. One of my one of the partner I used to work with used to say that all the time, too. But yeah, back to the logic games. Melissa, you'll sure. enjoy, you would not enjoy this, but I enjoy this. Like I buy logic game books and oh, do them. It on planes like that is my like activity on a plane is to do those games like i love them <laughs> i do sudoku does that count is that a logic game? Counts. Yeah. Right. yeah yeah okay thanks but i, yeah, I love it, it. it's oh. like you know harry you know was born 15 years ago and he you know has that pineapple and joe was his neighbor and he doesn't like i love that shit <laughs> you probably both got really good lsat scores I did really well on the, on the I logic games. I bet you did. <laughs> not, not the reading comprehension as much. Logic games, though, I had that in the bag. <laughs> if oh, only I you and it. I could have taken one test, then we would have gotten into Harvard on a full scholarship. We would have gotten 100 on the LSAT. Oh, Woods. Oh, well, exactly. Um, but I, I do think that's a really excellent though advice, though, is to learn to, like, not always have to fill your time with all the things and like take that much needed breather. Um, yeah. And I think it is part of, a part of this profession is that a lot of us in this profession have a hard time like taking that breather, like, cause there's always more work to do. It, yes. it never ends. Like you can always do more, um, but it's very important to step away. So then when you are doing, you're actually putting your focus in rather than just being like totally burnt out and not even realizing and how burnout you are. Yeah. You know, that, 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 that's a great point. I mean, uh, stepping away for any period of time is often the best way to ensure that the work that you are doing is really work that you're, you're proud of, that, that, is, that is of its highest caliber. So it's, I mean, it's about our mental health, but it's also about, um, you know, maintaining quality. Burnout is absolutely real. Uh, and, and look, I mean, the, the law is, uh, you know, for, for all of the ways in which it can be frustrating, we are in a profession, a profession where we get to we get to think basically for a living. That is really special, um, but it is still work. 
And it is still possible to very much burn out from thinking too much. And um, so I, I think there's something to be said about protecting um, protecting our love for something. And often the way to protect our love for a thing is to not do it in an all-consuming way. Let there be enough space so that it is something that you can go to and step away from, um, or else it will just become purely work. And, and that enjoyment will at some point likely fade. Yeah. It goes for, for everything, you know, I mean, even if it's something that you, like if you're a runner and you love to run and then sometimes you can run too much and then you get injured or you, then you start to hate running, you know, as <laughs> so you've yeah. turned something that yeah. it was so good for you into something bad. Um, so what, one last question before, before I let you go, you had mentioned, you know, you think you played the French horn. Do you play that piano behind you? <laughs> I do. I um I actually got the so I, I didn't play piano when I was uh younger. I actually um I worked really, really hard to get like a paid um one L summer job. And uh, I told myself, uh, I really want to learn how to play the piano. If I get a paid summer job, I will use the money and get a piano. So I actually bought and started learning the piano. Um in 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 law school and so I, I don't play as much as i did then but uh i started playing basically right after 1l and wow. and still still play a bit that's awesome yeah yeah i i envy your musical talent i don't have any of that <laughs> well I, I i have i have musical interest i i i think i'm far away from talented nowadays i mean remember i did change my major from music um, <laughs> so read into it as you will um, but i def i definitely love it so. Well, and, and that I mean that is a great outlet though i mean that is something that yes. you can do even though it's filling time it, it is it's it's tapping into a, a different portion of your your brain and your mm -hmm. in your body that it's it is an outlet i think yeah different form of exercise <laughs> <laughs> well zach i appreciate you so much for for coming on and you know talking to us about levels and everything um all the exciting things that your company is doing and just sharing, you know, your, your story. I think your story is super, super interesting. And, you know, I honestly, when, before you came on, I didn't know I was going to get this amazing story out of you. So, <laughs> so a lot of people was like, Oh, you know, my, my, you know, I didn't, I was an English major. didn't know what else to do. So I became a lawyer like that. That's the typical path. So thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I, I loved, I loved talking with you both uh, Megan and Melissa. Um, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank so you for our listeners out there. Can just let them know where they can they find you or levels if they have any other any questions or if it's something that, you know, it's a product that they might be interested in. I'd love them to be able to reach out to you or the company and get more information. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're interested in levels, you can check us out at levelshealth.com and you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm just Zach Henderson and Zach is just spelled Z-A-C. And uh, if, if uh, anybody listening, um, wants to chat, do feel free to reach out. I'm always excited to uh, to meet and talk with new people. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, again, for everyone listening, if you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to The Defense of Arrest on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find us at TDNR Podcast on YouTube. Thank you.